I was preparing for the message, I started just asking the Lord what it was he wanted me to talk about today. And we have the video from a couple of weeks ago that I want to play and let you see it and just to get a heart for what it is that we're doing here. So without further introduction, let's play the video. What if God told you who you are? That in him there is no condemnation. No judgment. No rejection. What if God told you that he loves you? And that he will never stop loving you. What if God told you? That he doesn't keep a log of past offenses. Of how little you pray. Or how often you've disappointed him. What if he told you that you are righteous? Because of his righteousness. Right now. What if he told you to stop beating yourself up? That his grace for you abounds. Even when you think the most horrible thoughts. Because you are already made in his image. What if he told you that if you repent, and if he's your savior, you're going to heaven? No matter what. What would your life look like then? If you stopped trying so hard. And just let God live his life through you. Grace. Mercy. Forgiveness. Salvation. Redemption. Through Jesus Christ. Our savior. We are loved. We are saved. Now let's live it like we know it. Isn't that a powerful video? Because that's the truth of the gospel. And there's so many people that don't know that simplicity of what we just witnessed there. There was a recent Pew Research poll that was released, and it showed that the Christian share of the U.S. population is declining while the number of U.S. adults who do not identify with any organized religion is growing. So Christianity and people who are trusting in Jesus is declining, and those who don't identify with any organized religion is growing. They've got a term for that now, and there was actually a lady we were listening to a podcast um, when we drove down to Louisiana yesterday, Noel. Nab, now married, can't remember her last name, don't listen to this podcast, Noel. But we're listening to the podcast as we're driving down there, and there's a lady who used to be a nun in the Catholic Church, so N-U-N, and she just got disillusioned and just said, I don't believe anymore. And then she's gone through all the different religions and now has ended up a nun again. But it's not N-U-N, it's N-O-N-E. And that is the the label they've put on that new generation that the Pew Research Poll has identified that's growing, that they're saying, we don't identify with anything. We're not going to say, we don't don't have anything, we're not atheists, we're not agnostic, we're we're nothing. I have no label, I'm just me. There's just me, that's all there is. Which is really, really sad. Even one of the people they were talking about in the podcast, a guy who wrote several books that the, the pastor was talking about, said that on his deathbed, they kept telling him, well, your body is doing this, your liver, your body is responding this way. And he got mad at the doctors and said, there is no the body, I'm the body, that's it, I'm, I'm me. I am my body, my body is me, that's all there is. And what a sad state 
if all there is is this. Because when this passes away, when this is over, when this is done, we know what's going to happen in the ground. And if that's all there is, that's really sad. But we know that it's not all there is. And we know that God has come that we would learn all the things that we just saw in the video and to know that he's not judging us. He's there with his hands outstretched to us, that he wants to welcome us with this great embrace. But who is God? And who are we going to tell this group of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, about God? How are we going to describe what we have when they say we don't want to have anything to do with it? Well, I want to show, and let's look at what Jesus did. Because when he came on the, on the earth, people pretty much all set up with religion. They'd pretty much done it. They were tired of it. They'd gone in and out of captivity. They were actually in Roman captivity at that time and just really fed up with everything. Let's look at Luke 7, verses 12. Now, as he, Jesus, approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. That woman has had a really rough time of it, right? So her only son, her husband had already passed away, and now her only son is dead. And a sizable crowd from the city was with her. So obviously she had a lot of influence. And people knew who she was and people were just crying. I mean, isn't that just heartbreaking to think? So Jesus is interrupting a funeral procession. And when the Lord Jesus saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. And he reached over and touched the coffin and the bears came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And we know the rest of that story the young man came alive. Jesus was just walking down the street, minding his own business, and this funeral procession came by. I don't think he initially knew everything that was going on, that she was a widow as her only son. I think he found that out after the fact. But the cool thing for me, the thing that I want to highlight to you is that he, Jesus, felt compassion for her. In Matthew 9, verse 35, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every kind of sickness. Verse 36, seeing the people, he had compassion on them because they were distressed. Matthew 14, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them and healed them. Matthew 20, 33, verse 34, I'm going to jump to, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Mark 8, In those days, there was a large crowd and nothing to eat. And Jesus called his disciples and said, I feel compassion for all these people. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus wasn't so busy being God and so busy and so important that he's moving along, just doing all of his stuff. But he was touched with compassion. And he saw what we see, just like he sees what we're going through. And he stopped what he was doing and said, I want to interrupt your life today and I want to do something in your life because he had compassion on them. One of the great stories in the Bible is about Lazarus. And we know that Lazarus and Mary and Martha were Jesus' best friend. He liked to hang out with them all the time. So in John chapter 11, and I know I'm giving a lot of scripture, but just kind of follow along with me. Verse 1, I'm going to read the story. We're just going to paint the picture here. Now a certain man, Lazarus, was sick, of, and it was the village of Mary and Martha, 
in verse 2, it was Mary who anointed Jesus the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. So as we put in our word, hey, your best friend, the one you'd like to hang out the most with, he's really sick. So here you are healing all these other people. He needs you now. So come here, help us. Verse 4, but when Jesus heard this, he said to the people who told him, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister, her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Okay, let's just boil that down just a little bit. So he's not a discounting saying, no, I don't really care for them as much as they think that I do. He was moved with compassion, but he says, this isn't going to end in death. Now, what, what would we hear when we hear that? It's not going to end in death. That means he's not going to die, right? But we know he does die. So Jesus was not saying he's not going to die. He said, literally, we got to watch literally what he says. It's not going to end in death. So Jesus stayed two days longer on purpose. He didn't just drop everything and go run over here, even though we just saw all the different examples of him having compassion for everybody else. But he said that God was going to be glorified in the situation. Verse 17, so when Jesus finally came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them and to con- concerning their brother. So all the mourners are there. They're, they're just, they've already had the funeral. He's already been buried. They're going through all of this weeping, and Mary and Martha are just, you know, beside themselves, their only brother. Verse 20, Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was finally coming, I'm putting finally in there, but when Jesus was coming, went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Can't you see some dynamics going on there? One of them's going to go and just go right to Jesus, and the other's like, I can't even see him right now. I, I just got to stay here at the house. I just don't know what's going on. Verse 21, then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Those are some heavy words, right? I mean, people, when they're going through grief, man, they can just blurt out some things that are just like, those are knives. And you have to go, man, I understand you're in grief, but oh, that's, that's hurtful to me. I mean, you're saying this to Jesus. Truth is, had he been there, probably he would have healed him, Right? So she's not saying anything that's wrong. She's not even being rude. She's just being honest with Jesus. You know what that tells me? Jesus didn't mind. He didn't rebuke her. He didn't say, don't you know I'm the son of God? I can do anything I want to. He didn't say, I was too busy. He didn't give her any excuses. That tells me that when I don't understand, and I may be angry with God, that he's just as patient with me. That he's there understanding everything that's going on in my little heart. Understanding what's going on in my little world. And even in his compassion is allowing me to just express myself. If you'd just been here, my, my brother wouldn't have died. Whew, that's heavy. Verse 22. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. 
I don't think she really was really expecting anything but just knowing that Jesus could do miracles and asking Jesus to do something. Verse 23, Jesus then turned to her and said, your brother will rise again. Now this shows you where her mind is. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. So in the very, very end of all times when we all are taken up, I know he's going then. But Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and even he who comes into this world. And when she had said this, she went away and went to her sister and said secretly, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus hadn't even made it to the the village yet, but he's still where he'd met with Martha. So he's still not in a hurry to get there. You see this? Kind of see how everything's unfolding here in this story? So he's already dealt with one grieving sister, and now Mary's on her way. And everybody that was with her followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. You know how it goes. Somebody's crying, and they're at home, and they're eating. You're eating all the food that everybody brings, and you're like, I want to go back to visit him at the graveyard. And you go back there, and you cry, you cry, you go back home. So everybody's just going to follow. The entourage is going to go there. Mary came to where Jesus was, and she saw him, and she fell at his feet. Isn't that awesome? One is going through her grief and just, if you'd have been here. And here she goes and falls at his feet says the same thing. If you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping, and the Jews who come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and was troubled. Isn't that amazing? He was deeply moved. And he said, where have you laid him? And then she said to him, Lord, come and see. And next, verse 35 is the shortest verse in the Bible. Two words. Jesus wept. Now I've heard plenty of people talk about this scripture and and quote this scripture. It's like, I I know what the shortest scripture is, you know, and and they just can, yeah, it's Jesus wept. And it's just like matter of fact. But can I suggest to you those two words? are some of the most powerful words in the whole Bible. Because here Jesus is overcome with his own emotion as a man like we are for his friend. His sister is bombarding him with her anger. The other one's falling at his feet and both saying, if you'd only been here. And all of this emotion, this compassion that we see is a habit with Jesus. He wept. What does it take to make the master of the universe? He who created was with God, the Father, who created everything. Everything in eternity that he's so reduced to the emotion of what's going on that he cries. He feels what I feel. 
He feels what you feel. So you may be sitting in your car at a red light and just overcome with emotion. He feels what you're feeling. I love to sit at the red light and look into the, pe- the people to my left and my right and just pray for them and just think, I don't know what's going on. You can kind of tell by the face <laughs> if it's a good day or if it's not a good day. If they're having a rough time and if they're angry and maybe they're on the phone and they're yelling and they're screaming. I mean, can't, haven't you seen that before? I mean, you see what's going on in their lives. So the Jews, everybody, verse 36 said, oh, see how he loved him. But here's where the doubting Thomas's kind of people are, the people who want to mock God. Verse 37, could not this man who opened the eyes of a blind have also kept this man from dying? Isn't that sad? Here Jesus is in this incredible moment dealing with these people in all these different situations and people have to go and run their mouth. It hasn't changed much today, has it? You know the rest of the story that Jesus went to the tomb and said, roll the stone back and called out and Lazarus, you know, God did a miracle that even though he'd been in there for four days, he came out. But you know, the point for me in this isn't to point to Lazarus being raised from the dead. The point is to look at Jesus' emotion and how he's touched by what's going on in our lives. That he's in touch with what's going on in our life. Hebrews 4, verse 15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he's one who has been tempted in all things, yet as we, but without sin. He, he's not someone who just can't relate to us anymore. He's not somebody that we can go, God, you just don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand the weight that's on my shoulders. He can understand. And he still loves us. So how does this all tie into the nuns? How does this tie into those people who say, I've just given up on God. I just don't believe there is a God. I just don't know anything about a God. Romans 2, 4 says, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance literally means to have a change of mind. It's the kindness of God. What's the kindness of God we saw with Jesus? His compassion. He didn't rebuke Martha for being angry and yelling and being frustrated and just boisterous. Can't, I mean, can't you see her boisterous? Like, he wasn't overwhelmed and just with whatever came against him. That's my challenge to us. Can we show the kindness of God that will literally lead people to have a change of mind? Jesus says in John 5 that he only sees, he only does what he sees his father doing. Jesus didn't just go and do all of this on his own. He wasn't just running around, just rampant doing, just whatever. But it was all intentional. He saw his father do this and he did this. 
He did what he saw his father orchestrating. I want to suggest to you that we can do the same thing. Whether it's passing out flyers to let people know that we just want to love them. Letting them know, hey, is there something I can pray with you about? Just talking to somebody at a restaurant and saying, how's your day going? Just seeing what's going on in their life. What does compassion look like? It may look the same number of people that are in here that many numbers of ways. But I want us to challenge to look at this. Will you bow your heads with me? You know, John 3.16, most people in the world know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him will be saved. They usually stop short and don't go on to verse 17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that through him the world might be saved. I want us to layer those two scriptures on top of each other. Verse 16 and verse 17. Because God so loved the world. Jesus so loved the people that he was around. People he didn't even know. But he didn't come to condemn them. He didn't come to sit there and point out all their faults. He didn't come to show them how they're doing it all wrong. He came to love them. So wherever you find yourself today, in this room or listening to this recording, what's God telling you? Where are you at in the spectrum? Are you someone who's already accepted Christ and said, I, I want him to help me make the choices in my life? Maybe you're someone who says, I, I've already made that choice, but I've walked away from it and I want to come back. I recognize that it was better when I was not a nun, but when I was letting God choose, choose for me and show me what to do to help me. Or maybe you've never made that decision. Or maybe you say, I'll never, ever accept Christ. I want to tell you that the kindness of God is here to help you change your mind. And we'd very much like to talk with you in whatever category that would be and to be a blessing to you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus as we close this service, that you take the words that you laid on my heart to share and that it won't only penetrate into my heart, which it already has and continues to, and it won't only challenge me, but Lord, it'll challenge everyone in the sound of my voice. And Father, we all choose to have our minds changed to follow you and to be categorized, and to be classified as people who have compassion. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.